Welcome to another episode of Adventures from the Van, the podcast. I am Jenny. I am keeping my promise of recording another episode for you. I'm just recording them back to back right now, trying to get as many docked and ready to go as possible so I can be on a roll. It's like once I start recording these, I remember how much fun it is and then I'm motivated again. So I'm trying to keep up with this motivation and get you some podcasts, keep the people happy. Um, I am joined with my littlest co-host, Luna, who has just woken from a nap and uh, is not a very quiet co-host. Dakota was extremely quiet. Luna is not. Um, as you know, I'm not recording this in some fancy studio. I am sitting on my bed in the van uh, with the microphone on top of a bin next to my computer, next to my puppy, who uh, there was a toy in the bin that the microphone was just on, and she was gnawing at the bin, which was quite loud in the microphone. And so I got the toy out, but the toy is not quiet either, and she's playing in my lap so we'll see how this goes I've got the fan on in the background it's not a high quality production but the stories are worth it I promise Um, so thanks so much for tuning in Uh, I am coming to you from the mountains in the Uintas of Utah this is actually the spot where I first learned to go backpacking Um, it's kind of where I discovered all of the outdoors And this part of my life I had been missing out on for so many years. It's kind of what spurred van life and got me started on adventuring and all things outdoorsy. So it's nice to be back here. I just got back from Luna's first backpacking trip, which uh, was quite an adventure involving many children. We went for a one-mile backpacking trip just in case it went south. And of course, Luna did fantastic, but um, being a one-mile backpacking trip means that it is super popular, especially with families and children, and uh, there's no such thing as peace and quiet. There were a group of children who had a secret hideout right next to where my tent was, and then uh, right before sunset where there's kind of no turning back unless you want to hike out and pack a tent in the dark. Um, a group of like 10, 15, uh, boys and three adults, some sort of like church group came through and set their tents up directly next to me. Like I had to tell one of the boys to please give us a little bit of space and not set his set his tent up directly next to mine, uh, and that made for an inter- interesting trip, especially as Luna is starting to find her guard dog responsibilities. So uh, at like eleven o'clock at night, she's growling and barking because uh, people are too close to our tent, and uh, we were. I was thankful that it was only a one night trip because it was a miserable night so we survived she did her first backpacking trip and now she's being a terrible co-host 
she's truly the most wonderful, easy, fantastic puppy, but just not a quiet co-host at the moment. But we're going to go on anyways because I have to get some of these recorded. So let's jump back in. I left you on a crazy cliffhanger, stranded on the side of the road. Uh, The van is broken down. My heart is broken and my dog is sick. So we'll jump back in. I had just called for a tow, but in order to call for a tow, I had to go through my insurance because I had paid for roadside assistance, so it was time to cash in. Luckily, I was not down some dirt road in the wilderness. I was on the side of the highway. I like turn on my cell signal booster. I have one bar of service. I call roadside assistance. And they're like, okay, great. We will call you a tow truck and we will tow you to the nearest mechanic. And I'm like, okay. But I've been through enough mechanics in my time on the road now, which hadn't been very long. We're taking you back to May of 2019. So I haven't even been on the road a year yet. But we've been to several mechanics at this point, And I know enough that this van is not... A vehicle you can just take to any mechanic. It's a tall van. It doesn't always fit in a normal mechanic's garage. Um, it's a Mercedes, so uh, it can be tricky to work on. Even though it's a Dodge, it has a Mercedes engine, so that's where it gets a little bit tricky. Not everyone will work on a Mercedes engine. Um, it's a diesel, so there are just lots of complicating factors. I've been to mechanics before who have turned me away, so as this nice lady on the phone is telling me, we'll take you to the nearest mechanic, I need to make sure that she has all of the correct information. So I ask her what the nearest mechanic is that she's going to take me to, and she says, it's a Dodge dealership. Great, okay. Well, not every Dodge dealership will work on this van, even though it's technically a Dodge Sprinter, since it has that Mercedes engine, some Dodge dealerships won't touch the engine. So I mentioned this to her and she asks if I can call the dealership and verify that they'll look at my vehicle. I said, no problem. So I get off the phone and then I try and Google this dealership, but I barely have any cell signal. I get enough information that I can give them a phone call. I let them know that I'm stranded. I'm getting a tow in. Will they work on the vehicle? And they said, well, we'll work on a Dodge Sprinter as long as it doesn't have a Mercedes engine darn. So I call the insurance lady back and let her know that we've got to tow me somewhere else. They won't touch my vehicle. So she looks up another mechanic and um, lets me know that there's another place that they can take me to. So I call them just to make sure that they'll touch the vehicle. And I mentioned that I have a high roof van and they say that they won't touch it because their garage isn't tall enough. They can't take my van. Okay call the insurance lady again let her know that stop number two won't work either meanwhile the tow truck driver is on its way Um, I had also mentioned that I had a dog and was wondering about whether the dog could ride in the tow truck too and she said well the dog can't ride in the tow truck it's gonna have to ride in the van on the tow truck bed Uh, I was not thrilled about this especially because Dakota had been so sick but there wasn't really anything I could do about that. 
after striking out with two of these other mechanics, she finally found a Mercedes dealership to take me to. It was a little bit outside of where my insurance coverage applied to, but because it was the first mechanic that would see me, um, they would cover it. So she tells me that they're going to take me to this Mercedes dealership that I need to let the tow truck driver know that there have been a change of plans. She'll follow up with them, get it all covered, get off the phone. And not too long after that, the tow truck driver shows up. This guy gets out of the tow truck and sees me and the dog. And he's like, all right, no problem. We'll get you loaded up. It was a big tow truck, which I was relieved because I've got a big van And he's like, you know what, if you want, you can just hold your dog on the side of the road and I will get your van ready to go for you so you can just worry about the dog. You'll just need to give me the keys. So I hand over the keys. I'm hanging out with Dakota, who is still not feeling very well but hasn't thrown up. And he gets the van loaded up on the back of the truck and he is like, all right, get into the tow truck. And I'm like, well, can the dog come too? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So I was super relieved that Dakota was going to get to ride with us, but the steps up into the tow truck were extremely high. Nothing that Dakota could easily jump into. So he had to like help me lift her up into the back of the tow truck. I get into the tow truck. We're ready to go. We were about an hour outside of Salt Lake City. And so we start this drive, but we had to go over this pass, like up and down through this mountain. And we're heading down and all of a sudden he looks in his side mirror and he goes, oh no. And I turn around and I look at the van and the driver's side door is wide open as we're like barreling downhill on this highway coming off of the top of a mountain. Now he had been the last one in the van and he had been in the driver's seat. And Forrest the van is an old van, a 2006 Dodge Sprinter. And he has all sorts of quirks, which is kind of how he got the name Forrest. So the driver's side door doesn't always shut if you don't shut it deliberately. If you don't shut it hard enough, it will open again. And I didn't think to tell this tow truck driver this information. Uh, I had a couple of other things on my mind at the time. But now we're barreling down uh, this mountain pass and my driver's side door is wide open. And so he starts to slow his tow truck down. Meanwhile, with my big van on the back of it coming downhill on this pass, he eventually gets the tow truck to stop on the side of the road, gets out, closes the door. Uh, There were no casualties. Nothing flew out. Luckily, there's nothing kept on the driver's side. Um, but it was just one more thing, you know, on top of this shit storm of a day. So gets back in the tow truck. We continue our journey and we're making small talk. And at this point I am not that worried. Like it is sort of a rite of passage that at some point, if you live in a van, your van will end up on the back of a tow truck. I have money put away for an emergency such as this. I've burned through a little bit of it with vet bills, but we're going to be okay. I'm sure we'll get to the Mercedes dealership and it'll all be sorted out. I had also mentioned to him that the insurance company and I had talked. We had to go to a different place. 
he was now taking me to this Mercedes dealership in this town not too far away. And he goes, there's no Mercedes dealership there. That closed down years ago. I'm like, awesome. So I call the insurance company back and let her know that there's actually no Mercedes dealership there. So she looks on the internet. I'm like, I have no service. I'm barely getting this phone call out to you. I can't help with the search. So she does some more searching and she's like, okay, the closest place we can take you is Draper, Utah, which is basically like a suburb of Salt Lake City. I was planning to go to Salt Lake City anyways. Now at this time, the tow truck is towing me to my final destination. It is 65 miles from where I broke down way outside of the like 20 mile radius that insurance covered. But again, it's the, the closest place that will service my vehicle. So this nice insurance lady is going to do what she can and make sure that it's covered for me. So I am just sitting back and relaxing. I am being chauffeured to my final destination. Like I said, I figured it was going to be an easy fix. Couple hundred bucks. We'd be back on the road in a couple days. All was going to be fine. I'm making small talk with the tow truck driver. And meanwhile, Dakota, who is sitting in the back seat, not doing great, is so gassy. Like, wretchedly gassy. And this nice tow truck driver just kind of like cracks the window. And I never thought to say anything about it. I just thought it was kind of funny. But then like later looking back on it, I realized he may have thought that smell was me. And I should have just said, sorry, that's my dog. But anyways, Dakota is gassing us out. We've got like an hour drive. We go through this pass and he's like, we're going to have to stop at this port of entry and weigh in. Do you know how much your van weighs? And I don't know how much my van weighs. He's like, well, I hope it's under... And I don't remember what the weight was. And he's like, if it's not, we're going to have to stop and fill out a bunch of paperwork. I'm like, awesome. Great. So we pull up on the scale and we are like 50 pounds under the limit. So we're good to go. By some miracle, it all works out. We keep driving. We get to Draper where the Mercedes dealership is. It's closed at this point. But he drops me off in like the very back corner of the back of the lot and is like, best of luck to you. It's all going to work out. We part ways and I am still feeling totally fine. There's like a beautiful sunset. I'm back in my own stomping grounds. My best friend's going to be here in a few days. And in the morning, I'll go in and the van will be fixed. So I'm working overnight. I go in in the morning. And I walk up to the nice guy at the service desk. Now, I am in like a flannel and sweatpants. And I had just had a campfire two nights before. So I like smell like campfire smoke. I haven't showered in a week. Like I am pure van life right now. Uh, I've worked overnight. I haven't really slept. We're doing fine. Um... I get inside and I'm like, yeah, I got dumped here last night with the tow truck. The van won't start. I need you to look at it. And he's like, is it a sprinter van? And I'm like, yeah. And he laughs. And he's like, it's going to be a couple weeks till we can see you. 
And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not going to work because I live in my Sprinter van and I'm living in your parking lot. So I, you need to see me as soon as possible. Like, what can you do? And he's like, okay, well, I'll see what I can do, but I can't guarantee anything. We've got like 20 Sprinter vans ahead of you. I'm like, okay. So I go back to the van and I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I, like I said, I'm in just like the grungiest state. And I'm in this really nice suburb of Utah, just outside of where I used to work as a teacher. Um, So I'm pretty familiar with the kind of people who live there. And they're well off. And it's a lot of like keeping up with the Joneses and bleach blonde hair and fake eyelashes and plastic surgery and nice people but like I could not be more opposite of the other people especially the people sitting in the Mercedes-Benz dealership so we're talking not even just like the wonderful people of Draper but like the upper upper class of the wonderful people of Draper so I go back to the van and I'm trying to strategize like what am I going to do if it's going to be weeks until they can look at the van And I figure, you know, I am so out of place here. I'm just going to embrace it. And I'm going to really play up the part of van life, dirt bag, homeless person. Especially in this uppity part of Draper. So I get the van door open and I grab my dog and I set out her dog bed out in the parking lot. I then grab my broken camp chair and I set that out in the parking lot too. And I set out my speaker and some music and I make myself some lunch. And we're full on camping in the Mercedes Benz parking lot. Uh, Meanwhile, all of the employees park back there and there are employees driving up in their fancy Mercedes Benz gawking at the spectacle I've created in their parking lot. Uh, I go in and use the bathroom several times and just check in and see if there's any progress on when they'll be able to see my broken down van. And you know what? (laughs) They're going to be able to see it really soon. Sure enough, my plan works, I'm assuming. (laughs) And they come out to get the van. Now, when you are living in your vehicle and it ends up at the mechanic you and you have a dog, you have to bring the dog inside. So I double check that that's okay. They're like, as long as she's well behaved, it's fine. Luckily, Dakota was the easiest at this. So I bring her in with me and we don't know how long it's going to be. Again, I'm still in high spirits, especially now that my plan has worked. My dirtbag dog and I are sitting in the waiting area of like the fanciest Mercedes Benz. Uh, We are the only people in there that don't have fake eyelashes or there are men with like designer Louis Vuitton bags. And like, I just forgot what it was like to be not only in civilization as I had been traveling and kind of embedded in the river guide community, which is just like, I was like, I felt I was the Mercedes Benz customer of the river guide community. So like to go from that to plopped into this situation, I felt quite out of place, but was embracing it. 
And I'm waiting to hear back on the van. And probably like an hour later, the service guy comes and lets me know that they looked at the van. And I walk up to the desk like, all right, cool. What's going on with it? And he's like, I've got really bad news. Your engine has spun a bearing. Now that meant nothing to me. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? He's like, you need a new engine. And everything stopped. Like all the joking about my place in society and the Mercedes-Benz dealership all stopped. Because I needed a new engine for my vehicle. Most people, when they need a new engine for their vehicle, they just get a new vehicle. Especially when the engine costs $9,000 and you only paid $13,000 for the vehicle. Like, I'm essentially buying another van. But when you have spent $7,000 plus building your vehicle into a home, you can't just get a new one. So he's like, I am so sorry. I wish there was something else that we could do. I'm going to call around and see what we can price out for engines. Like, okay. He's like, I am looking at new engines and they're expensive. I want to see if I can find a used engine for you and see if we can get a used engine from a scrapyard or something to save you a little bit of money. Okay, awesome. Really appreciate that. He calls me back a little bit later and he's like, you know what? Every scrapyard, the engines have been taken. They, because it's such an old vehicle and some of them have engine problems, um, people are just taking the engines and reselling them. So we can't find you anything cheaper. Some of the used engines we're finding are actually more expensive than getting you a new engine. So we're going to have to get you a new engine. It's going to cost $9,000 and we have to get it from Germany. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> like, I, I think I just like went into this state of like crisis mode. Like all emotions stopped. How do I solve this problem? Let's just problem solve. Like when I have bad news like this I just go into like what can I control like what can I do about this and clearly there is not much I can do I can't fix the engine myself I'm at the disposal of the Mercedes-Benz dealership and the price of this engine but I don't have nine thousand dollars I work a part-time job making no money overnight like I make enough money to feed myself and put gas in my engine. I'm not saving anything. If anything, I'm dipping into my savings and I don't have $9,000 in my emergency fund. I let him know that I'm going to need a little bit of time to figure it out because I can't just say, great, put in a new engine because I can't afford that new engine. So I've got a lot to figure out and I let him know that I will figure it out as quickly as I can. I don't have a lot of time to figure out what I'm going to do because my van is sitting in a valuable spot in their service bay and it won't run. So it's not like they can just like drive it back out and wait for me to answer. They have to figure out what to do and they have to figure out how to get it out of the service bay. 
So I started making phone calls and I first called my parents. Um, I had let them know that I'd broken down and that I was at the Mercedes and I was safe and I would keep them posted. Again, at that point, I was lighthearted and thinking it was going to be fine. So I remember calling my mom and letting her know and uh, I probably learned some of my crisis management strategies from my mom because she immediately goes into fix it mode too and she's trying to figure out what she can do to help me and how she can be supportive from the other side of the country and uh, I was very much in this mindset of I am not accepting money from my family from my friends I'm not starting a GoFundMe none of it I I'm going to figure this out or I'm not. Like, this was the ultimate test. I was delivered by a tow truck to where it all started, just outside of Salt Lake City. And now my van is broken. And I have to decide how much I really love van life because this is my out. If I'm done, this is the time to throw in the towel. My van doesn't run anymore. And the the irony of it is it was one year to the day of when I had bought the van. So Forrest and I had been together a year. I hadn't been traveling for a year, but the day that I brought that van home, it had been one year. And now it is no longer running. I have a storage unit full of all of my teaching things. The school year is almost over. Like if I decide I'm going back, I can go back to my old life right at this very moment or I have to figure out how I'm going to get out of this hellhole of a broken van a $9,000 engine and a sick dog in a Mercedes parking lot uh, without help from anybody because I put myself in the situation this wasn't you know a sickness my house didn't burn down I had made this choice for myself this wasn't something I needed to go fund me for because I had put myself into the situation willingly. Um, and I could get myself out of it right now at this very moment. So I had to figure out what I was going to do because I knew that I loved van life. That even though my old life was delivered to me on a silver platter, that that was not the direction I wanted to go. But getting back on the road was not going to be easy without accepting help from anybody. But I knew that that was the only way I could do it. And I'm going to stop right here and we'll pick up again next week. As always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast and for sticking with me through my absences in recording. If you'd like to follow along in real time, make sure you follow along on Instagram at Adventures from the Van. You can find me on Facebook under the same name. And of course, you can also send me an email. My email is Jenny at adventuresfromthevan.com. Don't forget to rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. That helps other people find it. And of course, share it with anyone that you think might be interested. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.